the chapter we're going to study today will be Genesis 44, and we'll title it, Will You Pass the Test? In chapter 43, Joseph began covertly trying to pry into the consciences of his brothers um, in an attempt to get them to acknowledge their sin and come to repentance. In this chapter, we're going to see Joseph continue that testing until it finally reaches its climax. What we're going to see, the question we're going to try to figure out here, or try to see, we're going to see if the Israelites will abandon Benjamin like they did Joseph, or will they try to save him? And the same goes for us when under persecution, much like we're going to see the Israelites under here in this chapter. The question will be, will we stand for the kingdom of God, or will we put our own interests first? And, uh, you know, the, the answer I would come up with is every overcomer would always put the kingdom of God first. So let's begin reading Genesis 44, verse 1. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the men's sacks with food. This is Joseph commanding his steward here. Um, as much as they can carry and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And uh, put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. So if you remember from last chapter, Benjamin actually did go down to Egypt. Jacob let him go down. But now Joseph is commanding his steward to set a trap for Benjamin. He had his steward put his own silver cup in Benjamin's uh, sack of grain. So uh, why, would, why would Joseph do such a thing? Why would he set up his brothers like this by hiding the silver cup in Benjamin's sack? Um, the answer is simple. God was using, as we're seeing, as we're seeing through these cha- uh, late chapters here, God was using him to test his brothers. Uh, he wanted to search and see what was in their hearts And to see how they would react. And again, like I said in the introduction, sometimes we, like Joseph's brothers, also need to be put under pressure to see how we react. And to see what comes out of our heart. You know, it's it's difficult for God to... I mean, I shouldn't say it's difficult for God. I mean, He can do anything. But it seems to be His method of understanding what's in in our heart. It seems like he's got to put us through some kind of test to see what our reaction is, to see what comes out of us. Um, It it doesn't seem to be enough for him to just say, I know what's in your heart, I know what you would do. Sometimes he actually puts us through the test to actually see what we would do. Um, Interesting scriptures related to that point on how God tests our heart by putting us through various tests. Jeremiah 17 verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So in other words, when God tries the heart, he puts us through a test and then he sees how we, how we react and then he rewards us according to our actions. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 23, God says, uh, Jesus says in his message to the seven churches, and I will kill her children with death. 
speaking of Jezebel, the false prophetess, and all the churches shall know that I am he, now check this out, that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So the same message there. Jesus is continually going around searching the hearts of his people. And, and that's, that testing really, I don't believe it ever stops. I believe God's continually bringing us, uh, you know, from a baby Christian on up to a mature Christian. And in that process, he puts us through a test, see how we react. If we pass the test, we move on to another period of growth and he tests us again and it keeps going on and on like that. Whereas if we fail the test, we probably just start sitting there in a, in a period of misery for a while until we, until we get ourselves in, in, um, in order. Psalms 139 verse 23, again, just a couple more references here about God testing. David, I believe it was David here writing this psalm. Uh, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked in me. Now then, then he says this, and lead me in the way of everlasting. So David here, the psalmist, actually gave an invitation to God to, to have God test his heart. He wanted Basically what David wanted God to do for him he wanted God to test his heart and clean it. He wanted God to help him get rid of the wicked things in his heart, his wicked thoughts, his wicked intentions, his wicked motives. He wanted a pure heart. And if you, any, if you know anything about the Bible and life in general, the whole purpose of this life in the flesh is for, God, for us to allow God to mold our hearts, to prepare us for the eternity to make us someone who can actually live in the eternity and not be causing a bunch of problems with other people because of selfishness, greed, uh, jealousy, and all those other things. All right? Okay, so back to the scriptures here. I'm just that, that kind of puts us to kind of lay some groundwork for what really the lesson, the, the underlying lesson behind this chapter is. And, and uh, it's not just a historical event that happened. It's an event that teaches us how God tests his people, how he conditions them for the future. Verse 3, And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. Okay, um, the Bible's not using profanity here. It's talking about animals here, okay? All right, verse uh, 4, And when they were gone out of the city, and not yet afar off, Okay, they're leaving. They're thinking everything's good. We got some more grain. We got Benjamin. He's with us. Joseph said unto his servant, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? And that's what the servant's going to do. He's going to come up to them, surprise them, and say, Why did you reward uh, you know, me and my master evil for all the good that we've done to you? Verse 5, is not this in it which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? You have done evil in so doing. Okay, so that cup that was in Benjamin's sack, um, you know, this, uh, 
this 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 cup many people well he calls it a divining cup many people wondered well was joseph involved in idolatry was he practicing divination and things like that um my answer would be i i wouldn't believe that for a minute because joseph was merely playing out the role of what his brothers think that an Egyptian ruler would be. And he was using this cup that he had that other Egyptians, I'm sure, used for divining, you know, trying to tell the future. But, but he was just playing the role. He was role-playing here. Um, continuing on. Oh, actually, I'm going to... And he was being strategic about it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this up. I want to add these little lesson things as we go throughout here. Lesson number one... Um, I got three of these slides throughout the study where we kind of, I'm trying to sum up the studies in three bullet points or three lessons. And uh, lesson number one, as we can see here throughout everything that Joseph is doing, um, we can glean from it that we must think strategically like Joseph, be intentional about everything you do, everything we do. After that, leave it in God's hands. Okay? That's what Joseph did. He was very strategic. That's why he was hiding this cup. He was setting all these traps for his brothers because he had a plan. And um, we're going to see this plan come to its culmination here at the end of the chapter. We should always have a plan. We should know what we're doing in life. Uh, Genesis 44 verse 6, And he overtook them. And he spake unto them these same words, okay? The, the steward is doing as he was commanded. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words, the Israelites? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. We didn't steal anything. Verse 8, Behold the money which we found in our sacks' mouths from before. We brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we deal... How, how then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? In other words, hey man, we're innocent. Look at the track record of honesty we have with you. We, we return the money that happened to be in our sacks and we don't know how it got there. We return that the first time. Um, you know, th this, you, you should know that that's not what we're about. Uh, 44 verse 9, with whomsoever of thy servants, the Israelites continuing on here talking to Joseph's servant, with whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. So in other words, the Israelites say, hey, if you find that, if you find anything stolen, you can go ahead and kill the person who stole it and the rest of us will be your slaves. Uh-oh, right? Verse 10, And he said, Now also let it be according to your words. The servant replies here, okay? He says, We'll do that, but with one little exception here. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and you shall be blameless. So, you know, it looks pretty generous of the servant. He says, Wait a second, that's a little overboard. I'm not going to kill the guy, and I'm not going to make all you be servants. I'll just make the person who stole the cup be, uh, be the servant. Verse 11, And they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. Okay, investigation. They want to show, they want to show him, say, see, none of us have anything. Verse 12, And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. So, okay, this is the big uh-oh moment here because 
the whole drama about them going back to Egypt the second time was that the father, Jacob, did not want to send Benjamin with. Because he said if, if he was afraid he would lose Benjamin like he had lost Joseph. And now the brothers here are now in a terrible situation. Uh, every, all of their father's fears uh, are now appearing to come to pass here. Joseph is not going to go back home. And uh, we're going to see what they're going to say here. Verse 13, they rent their clothes and laded every man his ass and returned to the city. 14, and Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. So they, they tore their clothes, they're upset. And then Judah and, and the rest of the Israelites went over to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. And I actually had another verse here. Uh, I had that verse twice. Uh, so, so they're, they're falling. Now, this is interesting. Here they go again, falling on the ground. This is actually in fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had once again in Genesis 37, verse 10, that his brothers would bow down before him one day. And here they are 20 years later. They have no idea that it's him, but they're bowing down once again. And, um, you know, this, since Joseph is a type of Christ, uh, this reminds me of the prophecy that says that every knee shall bow to Jesus when he returns. And I'm going to read, the, I'm going to read one of those prophecies, Isaiah 45, verse 24. Um, God's word says this, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Now think, think of how Joseph was that exact type. Everybody was looking to him at this time. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That Now here we go. Um, that unto me... Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. So the prophecy of Jesus Christ uh, in the future here at his second advent says that every knee will bow before him. And all of those that treated him terribly, that mocked him and scoffed his, his, uh, uh, his name and his word, they will, uh, they will be ashamed. Now think about this. The brothers, Joseph's brothers here, are going to get to that point where they're, going, they're bowing down before Joseph and they're also ashamed at how they treated him. All right, lesson number two here. Just as God's promise to Joseph that his brothers who betrayed him would one day bow down to him, all those who mock you for your faith will one day bow down before you. And you can find documentation on that in Isaiah 60 verse 14 and Revelation chapter 3 verse 9. So in a sense, we can put ourselves in Joseph's position here as a type because we are Christ followers. Jesus many times likened everything that he's going to go through are things that we will go through. So, uh, um, you know, we, we try to spread the truth. We try to plant seeds. We stand up for the Bible. And pe again, people mock us for that. And we must take comfort in knowing that, hey, our dream will one day come to pass. And that dream is that God will make it all right. 
Now, we don't seek people worshiping us. They're not worshiping us. They're bowing. They're going to bow down in respect uh, for God's... Uh, for God's favor upon us at that time. So everything we go through, just like everything Joseph went through, will one day pay off. And will one day pay off. Um, if we don't go through that, if we choose the easy route, like uh, like the brothers did, we we want to serve ourselves rather than the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. Forty-four verse fifteen. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? What you not that such a man as I can certainly divine? So remember this cup. He's trying to make this cup seem like something very valuable. It was so special. How dare you guys steal this cup from me? Again, Joseph did wasn't. I have not one. Uh, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that Joseph. Uh, was not a diviner. In other words, there's no way Joseph was using this cup for divining. This whole, his whole life is a picture of Christ. He's merely using this. Uh, he's he's role-playing again and using this um, cup as a way to really scare his brothers, to make them think that, uh-oh, you've really done it now, this special magical cup that you took. Uh, and no doubt in uh, the Israelites' minds, that's got to be one of the most serious offenses that could be committed was to um, steal the divining cup of an Egyptian ruler, you know. Um, so, and, and you know what? It's going to work. We're going to see here. They're going to they're gonna pretty much uh, wet their pants in the process here uh, in fear. 44 verse 16, And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak, or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. Now, don't overlook this statement. Judah said here, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. So no doubt he firmly believes at this point that every all the mishaps, all of the unfortunate things that are going on with them as they try to go down to Egypt for bread is the hand of God judging them at every turn. And it really was. I mean, God was using Joseph to do it. So it really was God. So, so, so he's awakening to the fact that, you know, I guess the lesson here, and I, don't, I didn't make a lesson for this, is you cannot escape God's wrath. And Judah seems to be acknowledging it now. And by the time we acknowledge that we can't hide things from him, we can't trick him, we can't, uh, uh, you know, no amount of time even will hide a sin or cover up a sin. The only thing that can get rid of a sin is the blood of Jesus Christ upon repentance. And uh, so this sin is still there and they know they're being uh, judged for it though they don't even know this is Joseph here. Verse 17, And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whom, the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. So Joseph is echoing the words of his servant. He says, No, I'm not going to punish you guys, just the one who was Benjamin who stole the cup. Um, now, th this is really important because we're getting towards the climax of why God was using Joseph to test his brothers. 
God wanted to see if they would willingly leave Benjamin behind uh, so carelessly, much like how they uh, you know, left Joseph purposely behind to save their own skin. Or not to save their own skin, but because of their own jealousies and animosity. But basically, it's the same test. Are they going to put themselves before the younger brother? Or are they going to let the younger brother hang out to dry? And that is the climax of this test. Um, you know, with, with, again, with Joseph, they, I mean, they, they wanted to get rid of him. Uh, they, they wanted nothing to do with him because, of they, because they were jealous. But now they have the opportunity, again, now they have the opportunity just to say, okay, you take Benjamin, let him be your slave. Thank God it's not us, okay? Um, uh, and so... This is uh, th- that's the question really that, that God wants to figure out. And it's what these trials are all about. I would say this. God is always testing us to see if we're going to put others or the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God before our own needs and comforts. Um, you know, what will we do? When we get into a situation and we have to choose, okay, am I gonna am I gonna suffer a little bit because it's right? Or am I going to take the easy way to, 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 to make sure that I'm not harmed and I still have comfort and ease in my life? Um, you know, many pastors end up at this crossroads and they choose the easy way, the false gospel, instead of teaching the real gospel. Because it's, it, it guarantees their comfort so they, so they believe. Verse 18, and Judah came near unto him, now check this out, and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. Now you notice Judah here, he's not the eldest. It was uh, Reuben, right? Reuben was the eldest. But now Judah seems to be taking on the role of the firstborn because he's speaking, he stepped up and he's speaking on behalf of his brothers. Um, I don't know when this, when he, when he took this role on, but at some point he obviously was looked upon as the leader. And I think we'll discover why that is here. Verse 19, my Lord asked his servant saying, have you a father or a brother? Now, what Judah is going to do here, and this is very interesting, and I'm going to read through these uh, next 10 verses or so really fast, because he's going to, basically he's going to be giving his testimony to, jo- to Joseph here. He's going, to, he's going to recap everything that had happened to them. He's going to tell them the whole story, okay? But, but not only is he, what, what's interesting about this is he's, he's actually... In his testimony to Joseph here, he's really going to pour out his heart to him um, in, in a very beautiful way, um, telling him the predicament of, that his family is in. And now check this out. And also plead for Benjamin to be set free. Okay? Judah's actually going to plead for him to be set free. Totally different than how they had treated Joseph, again, 20 years ago. Verse 20, and he said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. He's referring to Joseph, who he thinks is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Verse 21, and thou saidest unto thy servants, bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. 
And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant thy father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother uh, be with us, then we will go down, for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. In other words, uh, Joseph said that um, they had to bring... Joseph was accusing them of being spies, and he said, the only way that I'll know that you're not a spy is if you bring your youngest brother back to Egypt with you to verify your statement. And he's recapping that. Verse 27, And thy servant my father said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. This, this is what his father, he's explaining what his father was saying. Verse 29, And if we take this also from me, and if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, speaking of Benjamin, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, speaking of Benjamin, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, okay? So Jacob basically, he, he basically said if he loses Benjamin, he's going to go down to the grave in sorrow to death because he loved Benjamin so dearly. Verse 31, And it, came, and it shall come to pass... When he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. Okay? For thy servant became surety. Now check that out. Think about, remember that word, because that's the important thing. Thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I, now check this out, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Surety means my life for his life. Now think about that. That's really what the gospel is all about. Uh, Jesus put his life for our life. We in turn are supposed to put um, the uh, lives of other people. I, uh, in other words, we're supposed to stand up for the gospel and be willing to die if necessary to save the lost. That's what it's all about. We're supposed to be surety for the kingdom of God or for our lost brothers and sisters. Verse 33, Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead. Now check this out. This, this right here is the, really the climax of this whole the whole several the, the last several chapters we've been reading. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide. Now check this out. Instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. Okay, so think about that. Judah says, take me instead. I mean that that's uh it's quite a bit different. That's a quite a bit different Judah than we had learned about 20 years ago. I mean, when Joseph laid in that, uh, when he was in the pit crying for mercy, um, Joseph had no courage, no heart to stand up for him, but rather just simply suggested uh, to have him sold as a slave to Egypt for 20 pieces of silver. So how pathetic 
was Judah 20 years prior. But now, what a change of heart. Look at this. Now he's, he's, he's not even thinking about himself at all here. He says, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, put yourself in that position. You got a younger brother. Are you going to, uh, and, he, and your younger brother is going to be slave forever, forever. Think of a slave's life, how hard that is. Misery, toil, sweat. You know, uh, I mean, think about the choice that, that Judah has to make here. Um, he's, he's saying, I will be a slave forever instead of Benjamin. Now think about that. Do we have that kind of love for our brothers, for our sisters, for our family? Um, because that's the kind of love that Jesus is looking for. I know at times I look at myself and I read this and I'm like, man, I just don't know if I, if I quite have, have it like this. I'm going to have to really you know, strive <laughs> because, man, to be a slave forever, um, uh, you know, it'd be, you know, uh, you know, looking at my brother right now, I'd be like, oh, man, I, I think I'd let, want to let him be uh, one. But, um, but anyways, uh, so it is, I mean, I, to be honest with ourselves, it's not an easy thing to put others before self. But if we practice it in the little matters, if we practice it every day, uh, uh, you know, in the little things, then when we come to, if we ever come to a position where God tests us immediately and we're not expecting it, then the chances of us passing that test are much greater than if we, if we were selfish in all the little things throughout daily life. And then we are faced with something bigger. It, it would be a lot harder to say, okay, now I'm going to do the right thing. Um, anyways, um, so now he's willing to lay down. Judah is, now I'll say this. Judah here represents the truly born again Christian. One who used to live selfishly unto themselves, but who is now willing to lay down his life for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Um, in fact, Matthew chapter uh, 16 verses 24 through 25 says this. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him, now check this out, underline this in your mind here, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's exactly what Judah was willing to do. He was willing to lose his life to save his brother and, uh, his, and his father from going down into the grave sad, okay? Um, so, continuing on. Oh, I guess, uh, I guess I have our final lesson before we finish this up here. God, lesson number three, God wants to form your heart so you can be fit to enter into his eternal city. That's the purpose of life's trials and tribulations. Okay, I kind of brought that up earlier, but uh, there it is again. Okay, verse 34. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? So he's pleading with Joseph, pleading for the life of his brothers. So in conclusion here, the boys, the Israelites here, got it terribly wrong uh, the first time when they so wickedly sold Joseph into slavery. But, um, 
but after this period of time, something changed within them. Now they're all standing together uh, trying to save their younger brother. You know, I, I really believe that all of the trials and tribulations that Joseph put them through um, caused them to reflect, reflect, to look inside themselves and think about things a little deeper. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to look inside and say, you know, and, and, and examine ourselves. Kind of like David said in that, in, the, in that psalm. He said, God, he said, Lord, try my heart. Search my heart. And, and basically saying, and find those wicked things in me and get them out of my heart. Clean me. Okay? Um, so the same thing, uh, you know, Again, God does the same thing for us. This story isn't just some historical story that just happened once a long time ago and now these kinds of things never happen because they do. We just don't always see them. We don't always recognize those tests um, because, um, you know, um, well, I'll say this. In Daniel chapter, in closing here, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 25, God talks about an, a really severe test that his people will go through called the Great Tribulation. And it goes something like this. He says, And some of them of understanding, Daniel eleven twenty five, And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time appointed. Yet for a time appointed. So with that said, we're going to see next week how Joseph reacts to Judah's testimony and his pleading for Benjamin's, Benjamin's life. With that said, do you guys have any questions or comments? <coughs> yeah, look, uh, the, all the sons are the equivalents of the different tribes, right? Right. That basically what all the Israelites or all the nations basically come from? Well, they were also the... All of Joseph's brothers, they made up the uh, the whole kingdom of Israel, and um, like we mentioned before, that the, all of their names, all those guys' names, as horrible as the things that they had done, like betray Joseph, their names are going to be on the the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Will be on the uh, uh, was it the walls or the gates of the city of New Jerusalem? Came out of? Uh, Judah. And yep. So that's what I was thinking. And, and that's interesting because of what you were just talking about. How Judah was the one, yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. I believe that might have been Judah's test. That might be why the Messiah was born through his seed line because of him stepping up and answering the call to put. Sacrificing yeah, sacrificing himself, yeah. The sins of all of his brothers to yeah. save the one. He kind of sacrificed himself like Jesus took on all of our sins to right. save us. Yeah. You know, kind of a cool uh, yeah. type. That's what I thought. wasn't sure. Right. Yeah, so the... Uh, yeah, these brothers were all the, the 12 patriarchs of the, the kingdom of Israel, which in turn are the center or the nucleus of God's eternal kingdom. So I mean, the story we're reading about is amazing. All these guys that did these things, uh, you know, that really does, it, it illustrates God's grace that he took these guys and the horrible things that they had done and actually um, used this nation to to be the, uh, you know, 
again, the uh, center of his kingdom. But uh, there obviously was a, a big change of heart there. So they, they went through that and um, um, before, you know. So you, you, you could see how God, they were really kind of a prototype of, of the Christian before they um, repent and believe. We're all like Joseph's brothers, living for ourselves, being selfish. Even if you're somebody who gives to charity and is a really nice person, you're still selfish in the in the spiritual sense in that uh, you're not putting God first. You're putting yourself first because all the charity that you do, ultimately some people do a lot of that stuff, but it's ultimately just to bring glory upon themselves. Um, so this, this message isn't just to be charitable, although that's great, but it's deeper than that. It's about actually giving your life if necessary. And knowing your heart, which God only knows you and Yourself and God are the one that know your heart. Right. You can do all kinds of nice things, but if your heart is all selfish about it, then it doesn't do a bit of good. Right. And this kind of sacrificial uh, love doesn't demand anything in return. You know, it just uh, it's it's just total just it's a total expression of love. It's I will do this for you. I'm not even asking you to do anything back. Now. Um, you know, Jesus saved us, and he doesn't expect us to do anything back for the salvation part, but we are supposed to then continue to serve him, obviously. So I don't want to take away from that. But this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.